Coming up on today's edition of the Locked On Raiders podcast, the NFL owners meetings is in the books. It's a done deal records. I got some news and notes, a few little nuggets about the Raiders roster as it's constructed, plus some sound bites from Albert Breer, the great Albert Breer from Monday Morning Quarterback, some things that stood out to me with what he had to say at the owners meetings to myself and Vinny Bonsignor. Your calls and texts will close out the show. It's all coming up on Thursday's edition of the Locked On Raiders podcast, March 30th, 2023. Your Locked On Raiders, your daily podcast on the Las Vegas Just Raiders, win. part of the Locked On Podcast Network, Just win. your team Just every win. day. Just win. The autumn wind is a raider, pillaging just for fun. He'll knock you round and upside down and laugh when he's conquered and won. And welcome here, Raider Nation, to another edition of the Lockdown Raiders Podcast. Thank you so much for making the show your first listen of the day. Make sure you subscribe or follow for free on YouTube or wherever you listen to podcasts to get the latest edition of the show as soon as it's available. And if you are listening or watching on YouTube, we appreciate you off top. And two, we got to thank and appreciate my man Ari for putting us on YouTube and making sure we're looking good. And you can find him on Twitter at Ari Produces. Today's episode of the Lockdown Raiders Podcast is brought to you by FanDuel Sportsbook, the official sportsbook of the NFL. Make every moment more visit fanduel.com slash locked on today to get started we'll tell you a lot more about them later on in the show but here we go news and notes here in segment number one of today's locked on raiders podcast and off top there's no place like home there's no place like home there's no place like home wasn't that in the wizard of oz or something i don't know i'm not very good when it comes to movies but i think it was and i'll tell you right now there's nothing like being back at the house even though i was having a good time in phoenix at the owners meetings and it was a nice uh, area the arizona biltmore is where the actual owners meetings went on and so that's a heck of a resort there in phoenix that's not where i stayed <laughs> that's where they stayed <laughs> that's where them stayed right not me <laughs> i stayed at an airbnb that was well it wasn't all that but you know, either way, can't complain. I was there hanging out with all the owners across the league, hanging out with GMs across the league, hanging out with scouts, assistant GMs. I mean, I can't really complain when you're doing a whole lot of NFL type things. Got to talk to Dave Ziegler, got to talk to uh, Josh McDaniels, ran into Mark Davis. I didn't talk to him, but I did run into him. So uh, that was cool. And just again, being able to bring more content to the podcast and being able to bring more content to the radio show. So uh, excited about the opportunity, but man, I'll tell you, excited to be home. So let's go ahead and jump into news and notes and off top want to talk about a wide receiver that I've been talking about on the show I mean ever since last week and that was DeAndre Carter Uh, he officially did sign with the Raiders and it's funny I should have actually talked about it on Wednesday's show but I didn't get an opportunity to as soon as I was done on Wednesday with my radio show went into the the press conference with Roger Goodell the commissioner of the NFL and after that uh, knocked out the podcast and went and had some tacos and you know a little bit of, of dinner and, and and prepared for the final day of the of the owners meetings and then all of a sudden my guy Jordan Schultz from the score sends me a text message free agent wide receiver DeAndre Carter signing a one-year deal with the Raiders up to 2.375 million dollars Carter comes off his best season totaling 46 catches 538 yards three touchdowns with the Chargers also ranked second in the NFL with 11.7 yards per punt return more help is on the way for Jimmy G I like that signing. I really do. And I know a lot of Raider fans are like, wait a minute, why another guy on offense? How about go get some defense? Look, I'll tell you right now, I know the Raiders have about 11 wide receivers in their their wide receiver room. I mean, it's only March. Right, Obviously, that's not what they're going to have when it's time for the season to get started in September. But the more competition they can have, the better. But what I like in particular about this signing, this one in particular, not just the fact that he had a breakout season as a receiver. Again, 46 catches, 538 yards, and three touchdowns. But 11.7 yards per punt return. 
One that tells me you could take Hunter Renfro off punt return. Not that he did a bad job. Not that he wasn't a good guy because I do think that he had a nice little bit of uh, wiggle to him. But uh, why set him up for, for those big hits? It's something that we've been talking about for quite a while. I think that Hunter could be a big part of this Josh McDaniels-led offense. And why set him up for injury? And DeAndre Carter is really good at it. I mean, he's averaging more than a first down every time he returns the ball. Think about that. And that's something that Vinny pointed out to me when we were talking about it on the radio on Thursday morning. He's like, man, if you can get, if you can get, a, or Wednesday morning, yeah, Wednesday morning. Jeez, I don't even have my day. I got my days all messed up. Anyway, we were talking about it on the radio, and he said, uh, scouts and coaches tell him if you can get a first down as a punt returner, if you can get a, a team an extra first down, then you're doing something positive. DeAndre Carter gets you a first down and then some with 11.7 yards per punt return. You you combine him with Amir Abdullah. Uh, I think that that's a really nice uh, you know kick return and punt return unit right there. And uh, he was the guy that I remember Josh McDaniels in 2022 said, hey, they have a really good uh, kick return, punt return unit in, in Carter. He's very dangerous. So the Raiders need to have a dangerous guy uh, in the special teams unit like that. So I really like the signing of DeAndre Carter. And also he has some familiarity with Jimmy G. So uh, the, the this staff is being smart and they're at least putting guys around Jimmy G that he's comfortable with, he's, he's familiar with, and he can try to grow, uh, grow with. And obviously... The only big concern I have with Jimmy G is staying healthy. So, uh, you know, put him in some bubble wrap. Do what you got to do. But uh, there you go. DeAndre Carter, I do like that signing for the silver and black. Also, Alex Bars re-signed with the Raiders. He's the offensive lineman. Uh, Tom Pelissero from the NFL Network tweeted out that Bars is signing back to the Raiders on a one-year deal. He's 27 years old, played 15 games for the Raiders and with 14 starts in 2022, one holding penalty and allowed five and a half sacks. That's per stats incorporated. And uh, obviously that's not great. Five and a half sacks, you don't want to see that. One holding penalty, not too bad. And Bars is not uh, some stellar offensive lineman, right? I mean, you, you ideally hope that the Raiders are able to find someone that they can upgrade that position with you don't want bars to get 14 starts in 2023 but you know he's capable so again it's it's more competition if you look at the roster the way that they've constructed it so far and they haven't even hit the draft right now there's going to be a ton of competition all over the field now you know there's certain guys that they've got their spots held down right you got Devontae Adams you've got Max Crosby Josh Jacobs once he signs his franchise tag uh, you know Dylan Parham is going to be good to go obviously Jimmy G you know Hunter Renfro I mean guys like that there's Jacoby Myers right there's certain guys that you know are locked into their position. Chandler Jones, Nate Hobbs, I think those guys are all pretty good. But there's a healthy bit of, of competition along that Raiders uh, roster. And like I said, they haven't even hit the draft yet. So once that happens, and I don't know how many guys are going to come out of the draft. They have 12 picks right now. They don't need 12. They're, they're not going to select 12 guys, but they're going to add some more healthy competition. And then, oh, by the way, undrafted free agents as well. So uh, they should have a very competitive team going into training camp with 90 and then coming out with 53. You hope that they, they cut some real good talent. That means that they kept a lot of great talent. So that's ideally what happens. But, of course, we'll have to see how it all shakes out. And, you know, does that mean that it's going to turn into wins in September, October, November, December? No, of course not. Right. Only 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 thing that can determine the wins and losses is going and getting the wins and losses on game day. But if you provide competition during training camp, you go in, into the season with the best 53 that you could potentially put together. It at least gives you a fighting chance. Also, news and notes here in segment number one, Anthony Richardson. He's having his pro day today. That's the quarterback from Florida. He's the he's the athletic monster. Right. I mean, he's just that guy, the big quarterback out of uh, Florida. Uh, so Dave Ziegler, the Raiders GM and Champ Kelly, the assistant GM, are going to be both at his pro day today. That's according to Vinny Bonsignor. Uh, also, Jordan Schultz let me know that 
after his pro day, he's going to be meeting. Uh, he has meetings with uh, and following and visits with the Panthers, the Colts, the Titans, the Falcons, the Ravens, and the Raiders. So the Raiders are doing their due diligence with all the quarterbacks. But I'll say this. Joshua Daniels isn't going to be there. Joshua Daniels is the head coach, and he's the guy that's going to be closest to the quarterback. So I don't want to read too much into it, but it kind of tells me all I need to know. I just believe that they're doing their due diligence. I don't think Anthony Richardson's their guy. I think there was one guy in particular that they're really looking at. I'll actually tell you about who I think that was coming up in segment number two, but Anthony Richardson was not him. But at least they're doing their due diligence just in case. You never know what might happen, what might shake out. They're definitely doing their due diligence on all the quarterbacks. So today, Anthony Richardson has his pro day, and uh, Dave Ziegler and Champ Kelly will definitely be there. And then he has a visit set up with the silver and black. So that's all I got for you for segment number one of today's Locked On Raiders podcast. Coming up in segment number two, Albert Breer, Monday morning quarterback, the great Albert Breer, a guy that's very close to GM Dave Ziegler and head coach Josh McDaniels. He talked to myself and Vinny uh, at the owners' meetings uh, earlier in the week, had a nice little sit-down, about 14 or 15-minute conversation. A few little sound bites stood out to me, and I want to bring those to you and explain them coming up in segment number two of today's Locked On Raiders podcast. We'll get to that after I tell you about the title sponsor of the show, which is FanDuel, and we know the tournament is heating up. We know it's down to the final four after Saturday. We'll know who's playing in the championship game. Now is the best time to get in on the action that is FanDuel, America's number one sports book. Right now, FanDuel is giving new customers a no-sweat first bet up to $1,000. That's $1,000 back in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Go to FanDuel.com slash locked on. Sign up today to claim your no-sweat first bet. Then you can bet on anything from the money line, point spread, what team's going to cut down the nets, how many threes are you hitting the game, and it's all on an app that's safe, secure, and super easy to use. So don't miss your shot at a no-sweat first bet up to $1,000 when you join in with FanDuel today. Just go to FanDuel.com slash locked on to sign up. Make every moment more with FanDuel. Your Locked On Raiders, your daily podcast on the Las Vegas Raiders. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team Every day. All right, Raider Nation, here we go. Segment number two of today's Locked On Raiders podcast. Want to bring a couple little sound bites that stood out to me from myself and Vinny's conversation that we had with Albert Breer from Monday Morning Quarterback at the owners' meetings earlier in the week. And we talked about 14, 15 minutes. Really good conversation. Obviously, he's a sharp NFL mind. Talks to a lot of owners, talks to GMs, talks to coaches. And a couple of those... Well, GM Dave Ziegler and head coach Josh McDaniels, he's very close with them. Whenever you see him tweet something out about the Raiders, it usually comes from within the walls of uh, the Intermountain Healthcare Performance Center. And a lot of it comes from Dave Ziegler and head coach Josh McDaniels. So while we were talking, and we talked about everything in this conversation, I mean, we talked about Lamar Jackson, that situation. We talked about the NFL draft. We talked about uh, what's going on with Thursday night football. Of course, we talked about the silver and black. So off top, We'll talk about a quarterback and a player that is with the Raiders right now. Of course, that's Jimmy G. So Vinny asked Albert, what does a Jimmy G-led offense look like compared to what a Derek Carr-led offense looks like? I thought this was pretty interesting, and really, it caught a lot of attention of Raider Nation, and I think it caught the attention for the wrong reason. I'll explain why after you hear what Albert had to say about a Jimmy G-led offense. One thing that was interesting talking to Jimmy was like how excited he was to have control back, and um, look, like Josh McDaniels and Kyle Shanahan's offenses, I would say, are I mean, two of the premier offenses in mm-hmm. the league right. over the last decade. Uh, but they're very different also. And like, if you want to look at the primary difference in what it means for the quarterback, well, in one offense, in the, in the McDaniels offense, the quarterback controls everything. The quarterback makes the mic call. The quarterback sets the protections. The quarterback adjusts routes. The quarterback does all of that. In the Kyle Shanahan offense, 
the philosophy is we're going to take stuff off the quarterback so the quarterback can play fast, okay. right? So yeah, yeah. the center does the mic calls. The center sets the protections. There's, like, I mean, a lot of times, like, like the two-play call thing where it's like, if you see this, go to this. If you mm-hmm. see this, go to that. So, like, it's I – mean, look, they're both, like, great offenses, but they're very different. And I think – it's just interesting talking to Jimmy about that, like how excited he is to go back to having a little bit more control, and he thinks it's going to make him a better player. Um, and I think, you know, like, was Derek Carr capable of some of that stuff? Yeah, like he was. Is Jimmy Garoppolo a little more comfortable with it? Of right. course, yeah. because Jimmy Garoppolo spent almost four years running that offense, learning that offense. And really, if you go back to his background, like he was raw as they come coming out of Eastern Illinois, right? Yeah. Um, and that was like very much like the old, like Art Bryles, Baylor offense, basketball on grass, all of that, yeah. just go out there and play point guard and sling it, yep. right? Yep. And so really like Jimmy's like, like Jimmy's like incubation period as a quarterback was in that offense. And so I think like have, like I think like the, having the quarterback that's so comfortable with ownership of like, like having ownership over all of those things, I think should hope. I think the hope is that that winds up opening things up for Devonte Adams and Jacoby Myers right. and Hunter Renfro and like Josh Jacobs and creates an environment where those guys are more consistently going to be in a position to get open and to succeed in the passing game. So there you go. There's Albert Breer, Monday morning quarterback, talking about Jimmy G-led offense and the fact that he said he was excited to get control back. And so everyone in Raider Nation saw that control word, that C word, and said, wait, hold on. Derek Carr didn't have any control. Why would Jimmy G have control? He's not going to have control in Josh McDaniels' offense. He wants uh, a quarterback just to do exactly what he says to do and not have any. No, that's not what he's talking about. If you heard what he said right there, he said, Control, as in calling out the calling out the uh, the protections, doing doing everything that you always saw Andre James doing at the line of scrimmage when Derek Carr was behind center. So basically, what he's saying is Jimmy G's going to actually have more responsibilities at the line of scrimmage than what you saw Derek Carr have, right? Because well, Josh McDaniels didn't open it up for Derek Carr to have those kind of uh, those not freedoms, but those kind of controls where he's doing everything, calling it out. Whereas opposed to a Kyle Shanahan offense, they really he kind of dumbs it. Down and says, hey, look, you're just going to throw the ball, basically. <laughs> read where you need to read and get rid of the rock, right? And they'll have someone else call out the protections. They'll have someone else do this, that, and the other. Jimmy G wants to have more of the technician-type role in the offense. So that's a big difference. Uh, also, uh, the ball's going to get out of his hands very quickly. Uh, it's going to be a lot of, you know, the short intermediate pass routes, uh, catches, and then yards after the catch. A lot of yak yards is what you should expect from a, a Jimmy G-led offense, as opposed to what you saw where you saw Derek Carr take a bunch of deep shots a year ago. So I'm interested to see, you know, kind of compare and contrast when it actually is happening during the game, what it looks like. But uh, sounds like there's going to be a lot more responsibility on Jimmy G's plates where a lot of people thought that it meant audible, audible, audible. That's not what he's talking about. He's talking about different responsibilities at the line of scrimmage. Now, also want to get into, you know, potentials for the upcoming draft, right? The draft is what everyone's excited about. It's less than a month away. So the quarterbacks are going to get all the attention, right? Is it going to be CJ Stroud? Is it going to be Bryce Young? Is it going to be Will Levis? Is it going to be Anthony Richardson, Hendon Hooker, or other Right. I mean, those are the big five that we expect that could potentially all go in the first round. And then there's others that can go later than that. So here's Albert Breer on. And this was my question that I asked to him what he thinks McDaniels prefers in a quarterback out of the top four. That's CJ, Bryce, Will and Anthony Richardson. Of the four. I mean, I think 
probably Bryce Young, who's not going to be available to them. Right. You know, so I, like I, I think Josh is um, flexible enough schematically to make it work for any of those guys. And if you look at like his history, you see that he's like he got Jacoby Brissett ready to go and sort of changed their offense to fit him when he was a rookie on I think four days' notice. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, he made an offense work for Matt Castle, who hadn't started a game since high school. Uh, so, like. His history tells you he can make it work for any type of quarterback. So there you go. Short answer right there from Albert Breer on what he believes uh, head coach Josh McDaniels prefers in the quarterback. And I'll tell you right now, uh, the guy I think that the Raiders wanted was Bryce Young. I have no doubt that I believe they wanted Bryce Young. Uh, I had been someone had told me that before. Matter of fact, Amber Theo Harris had said that uh, to me before that she believed uh, Bryce Young was the guy. And then we all heard the reports of the Raiders trying to trade up to number one uh, to to go ahead and swap positions with the Chicago Bears, get that spot and be able to control the draft. And I think they would have taken Bryce Young. Now I think they're out of the Bryce Young running. I don't think they take a quarterback with their first pick. That's just me though. Again, that's just my gut feeling. I don't know. I'm not Albert Breer. I'm not close to McDaniels and Ziegler like that. So, you know, what he talks about is what, you know, he's hearing, not just kind of, like I say, my gut feeling. He's not going with just his gut feeling. He's going with what he hears. And I tell you that to tell you this. The final question that was asked, and I believe Vinny asked him this question, was who he thinks the Raiders will select at seven or with their first pick, whenever that really is. And I thought this was an interesting answer, and I'll explain why after you hear what Albert Breer had to say. Um... That's a good question. So, like, I think they're going to make a decision on Jalen Carter. I think there's a good chance Jalen Carter winds up there. And, like, then you got to make a decision on the character stuff, which is going to be right. a tough call. Um, you know, I wouldn't be surprised, like, if it was somebody like Devon Witherspoon mm-hmm. from Illinois. Yep. Like, where I think, like, he's a premium, plays a premium position. I think he checks a lot of boxes. Josh has the background with Brett Bielema having worked with him in New England. So Witherspoon's one that I would sort of circle early on. Um, You know, the offensive linemen are interesting too, just because I do think that there are a couple of really good ones. Paris Johnson, Peter Skaronsky. Thing is, you've got your left tackle. So, like, if this guy, by definition, isn't going to come in and play left tackle, are you comfortable taking a right tackle or a guard? Like, because Paris Johnson probably play right tackle. He probably kicks Skaronsky into guard in the Raiders situation. Are you comfortable spending a top 10 pick on that when maybe there's a top end corner available? So, I think, yeah, I think they're going to have a decision to make on Jalen Carter because I think Jalen Carter could get there. Mm -hmm. And, like, maybe you go in on him, maybe you don't. If you don't, like, Witherspoon just... I mean, it's just off the top of my head, but right. like, it would make all the sense in the world. So there you go. Really good detailed answer right there from Albert Breer on who he thinks the Raiders should select at number seven. And I love how he rolled it out there. A decision to make on Jalen Carter. That's a defensive tackle out of Georgia. Obviously, character concerns. Devon Witherspoon, cornerback out of Illinois. Paris Johnson, tackle out of Ohio State. But you already have your left tackle, so you don't really need Paris Johnson, who is a left tackle. Could he kick over the right side? Could they kick Colton over the right side? I'm sure. But why not just wait and go get a right tackle a little bit later on in the draft. Or Peter Skoronsky, the guard out of Northwestern, who, by the way, is going to be a guard. I don't care what anyone says. He's not going to be a tackle in the league. He's going to end up being a guard. As you heard Albert Breer say, he's going to kick inside the guard. I don't think the Raiders are going to go for a guard that early in the draft. So, again, I tell you all this to tell you when, when Albert Breer, as you heard in that soundbite, says, now this is just off the top of my head, and he points out Devon Witherspoon, like I said, I say my gut feeling, and I mean my gut feeling when he says this is off the top of my head. That's not really off the top of his head, 
right? Again, he's talking to people. So uh, just look out for Devon Witherspoon. Uh, he's a name that I've heard multiple times. He's a name that Vinny's heard multiple times. Vinny actually looked at me. It's funny, just to paint the picture for you. Vinny looked at me as soon as Albert Breer said Devon Witherspoon, and he's like, well, this is just off the top of my head. Vinny looked at me and just kind of gave me that look like, hmm. We've heard that one before, right? So, again, uh, Albert is very close to, to Dave Ziegler, and he's very close to head coach Josh McDaniels. So, uh, clearly, he's hearing something, and he has a little bit of an idea of what he's talking about. So, do not be surprised or do not be shocked if the number seven overall pick comes around and the Raiders go with Devon Witherspoon, the cornerback out of Illinois. I would have no problem with that. I know a lot of Raider fans want them to go with a defensive lineman, uh, a tackle. I'll tell you about Jalen Carter and how he said that there's a decision to be made with the character stuff. He's got a lot of character stuff. <laughs> I'll just tell you that. That's one thing I learned at the owners meetings, talking to different people that are like insiders, NFL insiders, and talk to uh, many different coaches and scouts around the league. Jalen Carter's got a lot of character stuff off the field. I mean, just a, a lot of baggage. And they didn't break it down to me and tell me exactly what it was, like all the issues he's got going on, but they just looked at me and kind of said, Q, he's got a lot. So that's all I needed to know. When they said he's got a lot, I trust he's got a lot. So I don't think that, that the Raiders are going to select Jalen Carter, even if he's there at number seven. I'll actually be surprised if he gets past Seattle at number five. But those were the options. Jalen Carter make a decision. Devon Witherspoon, uh, that was kind of off the top of his head. Paris Johnson, tackle out of Ohio State, and Peter Scaronzi, guard out of Northwestern. I'm going to go ahead. If I had to put money on it, I'd say Devon Witherspoon is going to be the pick. That's just what I'm saying on March 30th. That's what I'm feeling. Now, of course, uh, who knows what's going to happen with the draft and who's going to be in what position, who's going to make a move up, who's going to make a move down. Maybe the Raiders trade back, and Witherspoon is not even an option. But as of March 30th, my gut feeling tells me that's who the pick would be if the Raiders sat there at 7 and he was available. So that's what I got for you for segment number 2 of today's Locked On Raiders podcast. Three interesting little nuggets from uh, our conversation with Albert Breer that had to do with the silver and black. What's on your mind? Your calls and texts is coming up next, 707-654-4693. This is the Locked On Raiders podcast. Your Locked On Raiders, your daily podcast on the Las Vegas Raiders. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Here we go, Raider Nation. Segment number three of today's Locked On Raiders podcast. Your calls and text straight off that Locked On Raider podcast. Voicemail line 707-654-4693. Let's start off with a text from Raider Eddie in Denver. What's up, Q? Do you have any intel on the two defensive tackles we drafted last year, Farrell and Butler? Are these guys developing? Are they in the plan for next season? Am I remembering correctly that one or both of these guys were sat down for a game last year for discipline issues? We talk about needing to upgrade this position. We invested two picks in this position last year, so I'm hoping one of these guys can pop. That's Raider Eddie in Denver, and thank you so much for that text. And yeah, uh, one of those guys did get popped, or not popped, but got sat down uh, for discipline reasons. I believe it was Neil Farrell Jr. Uh, I believe it was him. Uh, but neither one of those guys got very much burned, and it's funny that you ask about them because at the owners' meetings, I asked both head coach Josh McDaniels and GM Dave Ziegler about both of those guys. So here's the soundbite from me asking Josh McDaniels about uh, Matthew Butler and Neil Farrell Jr. and if they need to step up in 2023. We were talking about second-year guys. How about Matthew Butler and Neil Farrell? They didn't get a lot of burn in their rookie year. How much do they need to step up this year? Yeah, we're excited. Um, you know, both of them have already been there, you know, on their own with our strength guys, which they're allowed to do, and, and just really trying to put in all the time and effort that they need to to, let's say, start at a better place than they finished, which sometimes is a huge key for guys going from year one to year two. But you know, invested, you know, in the defensive line last year a little bit in the draft. And obviously, if those two guys can have a really good leap here in a year or two, that would help us for sure. So there you go. That was uh, 
Josh McDaniels on Matthew Butler and Neil Farrell Jr. And now here's me asking GM Dave Ziegler the same thing about Butler and Farrell Jr. Final question for you. Uh, Neil Farrell Jr., Matthew Butler, they didn't get a whole lot of burn their rookie year. I asked Josh McDaniels how important it is for them to get into the mix, and he said they're already working out. They're at the facility. They stayed back. They're really hungry. What what, what excites you about those two guys? Yeah, well, one, I'm excited just in terms of that, that they made the decision, you know, on their own independently to, you know, stay around um, Henderson um, and, and work at the facility and, you know, really dedicate themselves to improving um, their body and their strength and their explosion and all those different things. I think, you know, that tells, that tells us a little bit about their commitment and mm-hmm. that it's important to them. And, you know, we expect, um, you know, uh, uh, not just them, but a lot of these players and some of them are veterans too. Just a second year in a system is, as you know, like right. the first year on the job, um, no matter what you are, you might just be trying to figure out how the copy machine works Man. and, you know, where to get the coffee. <laughs> Let, at me you. Me, right? Let me tell you. <laughs> and then in year two, a lot of those things that you had to put thought into, yeah. um, you don't. And then you think back like, man, I had to put thought into that. Right. You know, and so I think w- with the continuity that we have with our coaching staff um, coming back almost in, almost intact, that there's going to be a, a level of comfort for our players that I think we are hopeful that we'll see a jump from a lot of these guys. But Matt and Neil are, you know, we're, there's an expectation there too, and they need to put in the work to do it. And, you know, um, you know, we're hopeful that they, you know, from what we've seen that they're on the right path and that, you know, we're looking forward to them in some shape or form to be, you know, contributing members here this year. So to answer your question, Eddie, and I do appreciate it. It sounds like they're definitely in the mix. They're definitely going to be guys that are going to have an opportunity to go out there and earn their job, but they've got to do just that, earn their job. And something that both McDaniels and Ziegler were excited about and happy about were that they stayed in Henderson. They're working out. They didn't go home. They didn't, you know, take off and just go do their own thing on their own. They're around the facility. They're trying to, you know, take that second year uh, step in the right direction. And that's what you need to have. And again, going back to what I was talking about in segment number one, when I was talking about competition, when there's a lot of competition in the building, that'll make you want to stay a little bit later or get there a little bit earlier or not take off on vacation and stay around the facility. That'll make you do that because you feel like, you know what, I'm getting a step in the right direction. I'm getting a step up on the competition. So uh, thank you so much for your text. I do appreciate you. Now, I got a tweet, pretty lengthy tweet from at Dusty D. Peters. He said, Q, today at work, I put together a spreadsheet with every draft pick that Dave Ziegler or a staff he's been on has made since his first job in Denver as a scout. Reason I did it was to find trends or insight into what he might be doing in April. There was some interesting information that I learned from this. One, Ziegler has preached building the defense inside out. Well, the nine possible first-round picks, three of them on the defensive line, while none have been used on the secondary. Probably doesn't mean all too much, but information to have. Another thing, he's been part of 12 drafts. He or staffs he's been a part of have double-dipped on positions 22 times, which the Raiders did twice in a 22 draft. Expect the same thing this year. Uh, And that goes back to what Raider Eddie was talking about, the defensive tackles, Matthew Butler and Neil Farrell Jr. Also, he said, lastly, of the nine possible first-round picks, two have been quarterbacks. Again, I was just looking for some insight. Thank you for letting me ramble. That's Dusty D. Peters. And uh, first of all, you're a better man than me to go back and do all that research, (laughs) right? I mean, and again, it's hard to pick up on tendencies when he wasn't, officially the guy making the call, right? I mean, he was, it was guys that he was around, but officially as the guy making the call, all you could do is look back at last year. This year will give us a really good indication of who Dave Ziegler is uh, in the war room, in, in, in draft setting, because they have 12 picks. 
I know he's a guy that likes to uh, work around the board, like move up and move down, and having 12 picks allows you to do that. And again, in the conversation that you heard on this show on Wednesday, he said that. I said, hey, you got 12 picks. He said, yeah, I wish I had a few more, but it allows us to be flexible and move around the board as we want to. That's something I guarantee is going to happen. I know they got 12 picks, but they're going to do a lot of moving up and a lot of moving down. It might not be in that order, but they're, they're, they're going to be – you know, they're going to be very much uh, players when it comes to the draft, and that's what will give you a really good idea of who Dave Ziegler is when it comes to being a GM and his approach when it comes to the NFL draft. But thank you uh, for that tweet. Thanks for the research as well. Definitely appreciate you. Uh, next up, got a call from Welsh Raider in the 916 in Sacramento, California. He's calling to talk about the quarterback position as it pertains to the draft. Here he is, Welsh Raider. Hey, Q. This is a Welsh Raider out of the 916, and um, just want to call. Thanks for keeping this show so uh, so knowledgeable and, and, and entertaining. Uh, my first uh, listen every single day, as a lot of us do. I had a quick question for you uh, regarding our quarterback options and the draft. I am hoping that uh, the Raiders manage to go ahead and pick up Hendon Hooker. I don't think the other four will be available. Um, and uh, my question is, like, what happens, though, if someone else, someone else during the first round, picks up Hooker, and we're in our second round with our second round pick of the draft, and uh, no one's really mentioned much that I've seen online uh, or on uh, in, in podcasts as to what a second round um, quarterback option is in the draft, and who 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 we have uh, to look forward to out there. Should that be what's left? Um, if you have an opinion on this, it'd be great to hear. Keep up the good work, mate. Well, Thank you so much for the call, my man. And if Hooker's gone before round two, and there's a good chance he could be, right? I mean, especially coming off the ACL surgery, it might make sense to go and, and pick him up in, in the first round and get that fifth-year option uh, capability at least, right? It's something that I thought uh, the Raiders should have done with Jalen Hurts, something I think the Eagles should have done with Jalen Hurts because now he's on a four-year deal and they're going to have to pay him sooner rather than later uh, you know, and not have that extra year. So uh, Hendon Hooker might end up being uh, just that guy, just like Lamar Jackson was for Baltimore, have the opportunity to get that fifth-year option. But uh, as far as round two guys, uh, let's see if, if Hooker is gone, uh, Tanner McKee from Stanford. And I'm not saying just in the round two, I'm just saying later rounds. Tanner McKee from Stanford is an option. Uh, Dorian Thompson Robinson, DTR from UCLA, also a Las Vegas native. He's an option. Jake Hayner from Fresno State. He's a guy that Josh McDaniels mentioned the other day when we had our uh, media session with him. That was Monday. Had the little scrum outside with them. He mentioned Jake Hayner. He brought his name up. Uh, there's other guys out there. Um, Clayton Toon from Houston's another guy. Again, these are all later round picks, right? But I do believe at some point, whether it's early in the draft or late in the draft, the Raiders will draft a quarterback at some point. They, they just about have to. I, don't, I just don't know when they're going to do it. Uh, I don't think they're going to do it in the first round. But that, again, is just me. So thanks. And unless, unless, a little side note, unless they draft somebody at number seven, uh, you know, like a defensive player or something, uh, and, and get the, uh, someone that they feel like is a stud because they need as many studs as possible, and then maybe using some of that flexibility that I talked about and trading back into the back end of round one and trying to go get Hendon Hooker, or maybe even trading up into earlier in round two if he's still on the board on day two to go get Hendon Hooker. So those are also options that they can, uh, you know, they can go about and kind of play with. So thank you so much for that uh, call. I do appreciate you. Next up, I got a text from Cade in Arkansas. I said, what's good, Q? It's Cade from Arkansas. I want to touch on the draft and what I think the Raiders should do. 
I think they should stay put at seven and draft the best defensive player available unless CJ or Bryce are there, which I don't see happening. Then at pick 38, if Drew Sanders, the outside linebacker from Arkansas, is there, uh, but before picking up, Picking him up, I'd trade back into the second to get Jack Campbell, middle linebacker from Iowa. The middle of the field has killed us for so many years against teams with a good pass and catch, catching back or a tight end. So you have the middle of the field hopefully solidified, and the rest of the draft you get the best player available and come out with the backup quarterback. Get three dogs in the first three picks to help turn this defense around and then start building depth on both sides of the ball. Thanks, Q. Have a good one. And uh, thank you, Cade, for the text. I do appreciate you. And I think at seven, they get a big defensive stud as well. If it's a defensive lineman, so be it. If it's a corner, so be it. Whoever the best player available at that time is, go get them because the Raiders need a lot of best player availables. Uh, I've, I've said it so many times on my radio show. They need A's. They don't need B's and C's. They need A's. They don't have enough A's. They only have a couple A's on their team, and one of them was homegrown in Max Crosby. They need some more A's. I know Josh Jacobs is an A as well, but he's a running back, and you know how running backs are valued in the league, and he also doesn't have a contract right now. Devontae Adams obviously is an A, but he wasn't homegrown. Now they got him, so that's great, but they need to start drafting A's. They need to get comfortable drafting A's. And so that's what I'm looking for at seven. Uh, you know, you have a good idea with linebackers. If you get a couple in, in round two, uh, if you can trade up and go get one, so be it. Uh, but then you also have to think about your backup quarterback or who your quarterback of the future is. If you potentially think a guy like Hendon Hooker could be that guy, where is he at? Where do you do? Do you make a move to go get him? So a lot to think about there. Definitely appreciate you, my man. Uh, next up, and I only got time for uh, one more, got a text from North Logan Raider. He likes to get his feedback in. Hey, Q, North Logan Raider, just put this in your ear hole. I really hope we get defensive tackle Ika from Baylor in the draft sooner rather than later. Please, please, please love my Raider family. Peace out. That's North Logan Raider. And uh, he's talking about Siaka Ika from Baylor. Uh, I got to see him a little bit. He was actually an LSU transfer. Uh, he's a good run stuffer. He's not a guy that's going to collapse the pocket, but he's a really good run stuffer. Uh, I look at Dane Brugler. I respect him a lot from The Athletic as a talent evaluator. He put out his new top 100 big board, and just looking at the defensive tackles, I'll just tell you the top 10, uh, according to Dane Brugler, uh, and he has them listed 1 to 10 and where they are as far as overall player because he has his top 100 players out right now in The Athletic. You can check it out. It's very intriguing. I, I always like following and listening to what Dane Brugler has to say when it comes to the draft, and I'll have him on the show at some point. Uh, the first defensive tackle, Jalen Carter, out of Georgia, and he's the number three overall player on a, on on a Dane Brugler's top hundred list. Uh, the second defensive tackle, Brian Brissee from Clemson, and he's the number twenty two overall player on Dane Brugler's top hundred. Third defensive tackle, Kalijah Cansey out of Pitt, number twenty six overall. I like Cansey a lot, and not because everyone's saying he's like Aaron Donald. I just like the speed that he has and uh, the athleticism that he has. Uh, but he's not, you know, he's not Aaron Donald. He's not that polished. He still would have some work to do. But I do like uh, Kalijah Cansey. But he's the third defensive tackle on Dane Brugler's top uh, hundred list and number twenty six overall player. Fourth defensive tackle, Mozzie Smith out of Michigan, number thirty eight overall player. Fifth defensive tackle. Fervin Dexter Sr., Florida, number 54 overall player. Sixth defensive tackle, Keanu Benton out of Wisconsin, number 56 overall player. Then seventh, got uh, Tuli, Tuli Piloto from USC. I know I messed up his name, but uh, you know who I'm talking about. Number 68 overall player. Uh, eighth defensive tackle, A. Adaba War. Uh, out of Northwestern, and I know I blew his name. I'm sorry for that. Number 71 overall player. And then ninth, Siaka Ika out of Baylor, number 73 overall player. So uh, if you're going to get Ika, you better get him later. He's not a guy that you're going to get early in the draft. 
Uh, again, I saw him. He's really good against the run. Uh, he's not really good against helping collapse the pocket, and that's something that Patrick Graham wants his defensive tackles to do, and that's what the Raiders need is defensive tackles that can help collapse the pocket. And I know they have Jerry Tillery, but they need someone that can do both, right? Be stout against the run, but also get after the quarterback. They need they need that alpha in the middle. If that's a Matthew Butler, if that's a Neil Farrell Jr., if that's a, you know Jerry Tillery, if that's a, you know a John Jenkins who they signed. I mean, they've got multiple defensive tackles, but they've got to have someone that can be an alpha that can actually absolutely collapse the pocket and stop the run. I don't see Ica as that guy. But maybe later on in the draft, maybe he's the best player available and they go with him anyway. Again, he's a good dude. Uh, saw him as he was uh, at Baylor and transferred from LSU, and he really did help that uh, Baylor defensive uh, line uh, a lot, right, especially against the run. And the 10th defensive tackle on uh, Dane Brugler's uh, top 100 list is uh, Zach Pickens out of South Carolina, number 83 overall player. So North Logan Raider, there you go. Hope that's a little bit of a breakdown for you. Hope you can uh, uh, appreciate that. Thanks for getting your text in. Appreciate hearing from you and always appreciate hearing from Raider Nation. So that's all I got for today's show. A little long. Well, I say that all the time. Sorry, Ari. <laughs> he's he's going to be mad if you're listening on YouTube. Uh, this At some point, Ari's in the background uh, shaking his head because, well, I went a little bit longer than I was supposed to. So Raider Nation, uh, till tomorrow, we'll have more news and notes. Of course, we'll have more calls and texts. We'll have plenty of feedback as we close out the week really strong. But until then, Raider Nation, take care of yourself. Take care of your family. Love on your family. Most importantly, as always, just win, baby.